I have to credit my wife, Jen. Basically, we wanted to take control over our, um, you know, our food, building a farm as well, learning how to farm using permaculture principles. Hello, and welcome to the Permaculture Vine podcast. And today I am delighted to be joined by Mike Jones of uh, Vine and also of Pensioner Pond Permaculture. Welcome, Mike. Thank you, Cormac. Happy to be here. Very happy. And we're happy, very happy to have you at Vine. Uh, so, Mike, could you uh, just give us a quick 60-second introduction, just on your a quick background? Sure. Um, I'm here. Uh, we actually moved. Um, we consider ourselves climate migrants uh, from the Philadelphia area. And on this very hot day up here in Vermont by the Canadian border, it's still chasing us up here. So, basically, we wanted to take control over our, um, you know, our food and our privacy, et cetera, so resilience, I guess, in general. Um, so we moved up here and sold our stuff in Pennsylvania. We renovated a house in Pennsylvania, sold it, moved here, built a house, almost finished building. It's been five, six years now at this point, been doing it by myself, building a farm as well, learning how to farm using permaculture principles. Um, so we have uh, an orchard planted and several things we don't have in our berry bushes in yet. We're not making money on the farm yet either. So we're at this sort of stage, um, where we've been doing kind of the same thing for a while and just kind of hoping to start making money, um, from the farm, from all our efforts of the last really eight years. Um, so sure that was over a minute, but <laughs> well, we're not too strict. Uh, could you just give us a, when did, when did you, so let's take it back to the start of your journey. So uh, when did you first discover permaculture and how did you get on it? Uh, I have to credit my wife, Jen. Um, she she was on her lips before it was on mine. Um, she reads a lot more things than I do generally, um, in, you know, out there in the world. And she discovered permaculture. It, it was in line with what we were doing. We kind of started like Rodell Institute Organic kind of mentality before we had permaculture. So we were kind of close. We were there. Uh, both, uh, you know, had plans like from, from the beginning of our marriage of like probably moving to Vermont. And indeed we did um, for those purposes. It's an agricultural place. Um, so we sort of combined what we learned online with then, you know, we bought the land here about 11 years ago. So before we built the house and moved here, we had it for about six years to observe. Um, so it, it gradually became like kind of an organic farm to a permaculture farm uh, by the time we actually moved here. So we changed our name to Pension Upon Permaculture. And um, then um, we finally got a, a PDC. Um, I actually got the certificate, but she was with every class. So we both know the same things um, from Verge Permaculture about about three years ago. So I've been a certified permaculture designer for two and a half years um and i'm finally having time to actually design my own farm because i've been doing designs for you know professionally for a little while um so yes permaculture that's that is that's a word that's the way i thought about it initially and the way i think about it now seven years later or is a little different um the, the principles are the same the basic ideas but i think all the cultural stuff on top of it is has changed in my own mind plus i've changed too just kind of living on the farm for uh, for a while, right? So you're you're in Philadelphia, and your wife brings you this uh, 
the, the concept of permaculture. Were you thinking already about getting the property or did the property come first? And you said it was organic first you were thinking of doing? Yeah, the, yeah, the property came first. Our, our mission to, to farm and grow our own food and kind of have our own privacy and our own power or be responsible, power and responsibility are almost the same thing. Um, to have, you know, our own, just to be responsible for our own thing. Um, she, my wife comes from more of an organic kind of um, organic gardening background, health. She's a, she's a nurse. She's thinking about health. She does her own research. She's very intelligent. So, you know, um, she sort of led me in that way. Whereas my background was more, I was physics. And uh, at one point when I was really young, I wanted to build a spaceship to control all the stuff that went in my body and kind of get away from earth, which has all of its problems. So I was a little crazy, but we different ways. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, oh, there's so much. I just, I just don't even tell you, but anyway, there's a, so we kind of both had the same basic idea. I actually made, when I was 20, I, I was really kind of into herbs, Earl Mindell's herb Bible. I went through made lists and learned about the herbs. My, <laughs> my approach to life, unfortunately, whether it's permaculture, plants, physics, Whatever is, it always starts with a spreadsheet with me. So I have a sort of linear way of thinking about things. And I try to be, um, you know, more open-minded and listen to other people's really good ideas. Um, so, yeah. So when she presented to me, I, you know, I mean, it didn't happen like that. It wasn't like permaculture. It was just we kind of picked up on it uh, and then started working that direction. So you have your, so I just, uh so when you right, so he's got your property then up in Vermont, you're living in Philadelphia, then you have to make that transition then is it right? And how do you how do you go about thinking about that and preparing that for someone looking to leave the big smoke of Philadelphia and go to the more how did that process go as a couple? Uh no, it sort of like changing like how how did that timeline go? First, I'm gonna start backwards. First of all, if you're not united with your partner. This is not an easy journey to take. And we're, we're, we've gone through stress and we're, we're kind of in a period of stress now and kind of like deciding what to do. And this is like, this is the after before the before. But um, yeah, the, the you have to be united together. Um, so which we, we have been. Um, so what was the other part of your question? I'm sorry. Yeah, just as a couple, how did you make that transition from the city out to the country? Like, how did you... How do you plan that? A spreadsheet? <laughs> well, it was, that. <laughs> it was a really, really awesome spreadsheet. But anyway, yeah, so we started uh, in Pennsylvania. We moved in together. We got married and moved in together. And then um, we were in a 19, oh, 1914 bungalow. It's almost like a Sears home. And we were renting it and then we bought it. And then we immediately started renovating. So I'm like basically on YouTube learning electricity, learning carpentry. I knew nothing. So... Um, we uh i'm cut off in the air conditioning by the way and so i'm going to start i've already started sweating just to explain what what's going on um so we started renovating the house learned all that renovated the house and it was in an area in philadelphia it was like a kind of a good neighbor not a great neighborhood but a good neighborhood so that we could resell the house we were able to build value into the home sell it um while about a year or two before we moved so it was a big plan we decided all right yes we're moving to Vermont. And then we decided, well, where in Vermont do we need to move to? And this I, I used a spreadsheet for, of course, um, just had a list of uh, eventually it came down to just 10 properties. 
had all these different parameters, the acreage, where it was, et cetera, all this different information. This is before I knew permaculture, so it wasn't that detailed, but it was a lot of things we didn't want. You know, we were thinking about climate change, so just moving north was a big thing because it gives us some time to have cool, to have some cool. Um, you know, we we like the fact that Vermont, uh, you know, even Vermont's laws are really strong right now. They could change in a second. This was at a time of political turmoil in the United States while we were doing this, where you could see a regime could just change really quick. So we decided that the laws of Vermont weren't that important, although they're very good. But that really what's underground was the most important. If the laws change, is somebody, could somebody suddenly frack? We were really worried about fracking. This is 10, 10, 12 years ago. So fracking was an important thing. Distance from cities for nuclear attacks. That was a big thing for us. So you don't want to be too near a city. So Montreal is probably the best target. That's not going to be on the first round anyway. You know, uh, that's two hours away. So that's really our only nuclear threat. Um, so that's we kind of went through that. I put that on the spreadsheet. If you imagine all these things, the price, the price per acre, et cetera, et cetera. So um, we did that and we decided we're going to move. We decided we're going to finish the renovation on the house and we're moving very specifically. We've basically boiled it. We came up a year before um, and we did research on and we met with a realtor actually who lived in, in Canada on the border. We're right up by the Canadian border. We're set eight miles away. So we went with that real estate agent. I had a list of 10 properties. The land we're on right now was at the bottom of the list. It was actually number 11. I just kept it on because I, I, it was my it was my 11th choice. But the realtor that morning, and this is why like connecting, you can do all the spreadsheet and you want and you be clever, clever ape all you want to be. But as soon as you start talking to other people, you learn way more like in, in, in a few seconds, if you talk to the right person, of course. So we did. We got lucky. So she's like. You know, I had all this thing. I was really looking for acreage and some water. More acreage, the better, basically. Um, my wife was thinking of more sophisticated things. Jen was thinking of, you know, the neighborhood and the uh, other things and, you know, all these things. And eventually, so we met with the realtor. We came up here as a big deal. We drove it to eight hours from Philadelphia, came up here. And right in the morning, the first thing she's like, there's a property I have to show you before. Because um, I... You know, I got a list. I got a list. So we're going to go look at this, 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 this. She's like, well, before we do that, let's just go to see this property. So they, they she whisked us here right away. She's like, this just came up for sale. Um, it has this view. We started marching up the hill and there's this view of mountains over a pond, pond with mountains. It's a good view. So, you know, we knew we we're in a special place. It's also a pristine place. It hasn't been a farm since early 70s. Uh, so there was nothing here. It was all overgrown. There was no, there was no buildings. We built everything that was here. Um, so anyway, we ended up buying the land. Jen, I remember her marching up the hill and just looking out at the view. I took a picture of it. And I was just like, oh, there was a, there was a place in, in Cabot, Vermont, where they make the cheese right near the cheese factory that had more acreage and it had this stream and everything. And it was cool. And I wanted that one, but very quickly I saw that, uh, this this was the better property. Plus, I knew Jen wanted it, so I'm not fighting that battle. So I'm very, very glad that she was the, you know, um, my nickname's Checkers, hers is Chess. So thank God for that. So she she sees ahead a few more moves than I do. And uh, fortunately, we're here. It's, it's the much better land. So we did. We prepared. We worked our butts off renovating the house. We learned how to sell a house. We 
because we were worried about climate change and just don't know when the economy is going to collapse. We're like, all right, we need to sell it. But we still made some, we made money we wanted, but we didn't like go up too high and we didn't want to wait too long. Plus, you need to start building in the spring in Vermont because you don't have much time to get that building covered in. So it was all part of like starting right away. So you want to sell a house in the spring and fire away. And I would give that advice to anybody who's doing it, um, because if you're building something, you, you sort of need to get it done before winter based on where you're at. And if you're in the tropics, then it's probably all year long. Who knows? But um, so, yeah, there was a lot of preparation. There was there was hard work and there was most of all that we were united and we made a decision. We found a piece of land. We bought it ahead of time. Um, we bought it ahead of time about five years before we built. We had two five year plans. First one almost right on time. We, we made it. Second one. Now it's six year, seven year. plan. It's getting the house finished is, is harder than I thought is mainly because I'm we we decided on a really high standard for like safety reasons. Like I sprayed the whole house and like did all kinds of things that most people don't do. So it's taken me longer. It's also my first house learned. I've YouTube this whole thing on my, you know, as I'm doing it. And so it is possible, but I don't know if I would do it exactly the way we did it. Um, we're not done. So yeah. Um, yep. Right. So you're, at what point then? So you're, uh, you've moved now. You're, uh, you observe for five years, and you're you're up. And then, at what point do you say uh, does permaculture come in? And you say, right, I'm going to get a PDC now. I think that's that's the best idea to start studying. Well, we had by the time we bought the land, which is six years ago. Five, by the time we were actually on the land, all we were doing for the first five years, we were collecting apples and cidering. You know, we would squeeze them on the farm and then bring the juice back to Pennsylvania, ferment it and, and have cider. So we did that every single year. We still did that. We missed one or two years, I think. But um, we um, by uh, yeah coming here, we already knew we, it was already permaculture before we started building anything. So we already had permaculture in mind. Um, so actually, eight years ago, then in, also in one of those trips, we built a shed. I, I prefabbed it in Pennsylvania. I designed all the parts of it so that it would fit in this specific U-Haul. So it was very like design tight. And that way I could just assemble it really quick in Vermont because we would drive up here in our Prius and, uh, you know, it's eight hours and only have a few days of vacation to strike and, and get things done. Um, oh, the sweat has formed. Look at this. It's beginning. I, I told you. So, um, yeah, so it was permaculture. So we we planted our orchard with permaculture in mind, with with guilds, etc. Not that they're not all overgrown, because we can't actually physically get down there and make enough mulch to keep up with it. That's part of the later story. But um, yeah, we did. So we did. We planted our orchard as soon as we could. So that's about eight years old now, and starting to produce mature fruit. Um, we planted four apples, two plums, three cherries. I'm sorry, yeah, three pears two cherries. Um, and then we have sea berries. We're going to do sea berries and uh, we have some elderberries in that orchard. We have a lot of other things. We have an orchard in the back. We have crops in the front now. Um, and then we're planning to do our pick your own berry bushes uh, in our main field. That's been hayed forever by actually the richest guy in town. He's been coming and taking our hay and um, giving it to his cows and, um, so we're going to, it's been very convenient for us because we didn't have to mow the lawn. So it didn't go to forest. 
So we just kind of let it happen. And he brings us manure sometimes, a truckload of manure. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's mutually beneficial. But that's that time's over now because we're going to plant our field with hundreds of berry bushes, I believe, um, or at least over 100 berry bushes, I should say. Um, so, yeah, and all with all with permaculture in mind, um, you know, guilds in the forest, though we we we're actually switching to kind of more native guilds if something like oh there's milkweed there and dandelion and so just leave it so more and more we're like as opposed to just tearing out a weed we'll be like oh what is that let's go learn about it and sure enough it's probably like don't tear it out so our guilds are are weedy but but they work they're good i mean they're very native and they're very strong whereas when i've in designs i've i've really thought about like the plant each plant and what its functions are and how does it work with the other plants and stuff. So, um, so it's kind of like my mind's been changing permaculture. Yeah. My it's changed a little bit. I, there is no one definition of permaculture. Maybe it's principles. Uh, uh, great. Your PDC. How did you, uh, you said you'd done your PDC at Verge. Um, yep. do you want to tell us why you selected that PDC and what was your experience with Verge doing that? Yeah, so coming, you know, we doing everything ourselves. Uh, so about three years ago, um, decided maybe you know the house was taking too long, and they like needed to make money to let some pressure off of Jen, who's been the main financial. That's been her, you know, her pillars been the finances. So I was thinking, you know, um, maybe take this permaculture knowledge and really take it to the next level in an organized way, and actually get a, a PDC, um, and then maybe do designs and make some money. So yeah, we decided to do that. And Verge is is their the northern permaculture company. Um, we were we had been watching their videos on YouTube, so we were already familiar with them. Um, and it was a natural choice for us. We're zone three B technically with climate change. We're already four A. I don't even consider us three. So yeah, so yeah, Verge was excellent. We got lucky too, I think, with Verge. It wasn't just because it was northern. They're not that close to us. They're in Alberta, so they're still 2,000 miles away, but they're in a very similar climate zone. And they were experts on uh, greenhouses, experts on water capture, um, and, you know, really had a, they really have a nice program there and uh, very nice and knowledgeable people. Um, so, yeah, and now today Verge is, you know, in the permaculture world, they're, they're up there. They have some really good guests on their PDC. So, yeah, I was very happy with Verge. I'm glad we went there. So then, how did the PDC change how you looked at your own property then? Did anything change majorly, or was it just more more the same? I am a stubborn person, and I am autodidactical. So, I, you know, I learned things myself. And this is, the old me was worse than the new me. Um, <laughs> so, I think I, it was more on Jen's prodding um, to do it. I did. I wanted to. Um and I'm very glad I did because it did. It totally changed my mind. I didn't have the cultural perspective. How it did it change the land and the actual plans that we had? Not that much, honestly. We weren't doing that bad. We realized having lived here already, been on the land, like all the big ideas we had in the beginning were like, okay, how old are we? How much money do we have? How much time do we have? So we've just learned to like scale back. Um, but, you know, we have water collected up on the hill. We have a, a, a um, so in that, that pumps our whole farm system is pressurized 
with water that's up at 90 feet. So it's about 40 PSI. It's perfect hose pressure. Spent a thousand bucks, made hoses all over the farm where we have our crops, et cetera, down to the orchard. Everything has a hose right there. They're like 12 hoses on the farm, all coming off of spring water, all by gravity. Um, all I have to do is run, run up the hill, climb up the hill every every 275 gallons because there's a big IBC up there. So that's one thing. The thing and not much changed, honestly. What changed in me was understanding how important permaculture is for the whole world. Um, so we kind of had our own little perspective on YouTube. And, and when you get that and you see all the things that have come, like a PDC really does give you that that bigger perspective and you know makes you feel a little smaller, but also just fine because it brings in all these other cultural aspects, um, ties in things. Of course, there's things I learned that I didn't know. Um, so much about rainwater, about uh, greenhouses, and you know the greenhouse I built before I was taking Verge. Um, but, you know, actually, I did all right. I did okay. I mean, I have a degree in physics, so and I researched the hell out of things before I, I commit. Not that I don't make mistakes. I made um, the greenhouse. That we have attached we have an a-frame big old a-frame have a greenhouse attached to that a-frame coming out here then the walls on an angle because it's facing south and that's the latitude so it's a, the all the windows are perfectly facing the winter solstice sun um because they heat barrels inside that are filled with water this is like the physics end of things here but mr physics also brought that wall down that roof that heavy roof onto a I made a design change at the last second when we got here and met many design changes. I put it on a two foot knee wall and just assumed that was okay. Long story short, Thanksgiving, the first year after the house was built, um, three foot of snow up on the roof, didn't know how to clear it, was busy, didn't know anything. <laughs> and so we went out for a walk one day and sure enough, I see the wall doing this. So it was in a slow collapse, which would have just brought down that, brought down the roof, torn a hole in the side. It just would have been would have been the end of everything for me. It just would have been disaster. So I I got was up all night, got the equations, designed these buttresses. What I had to do is take get off of that nasty knee wall and connect the load directly to the foundation. Did all that work, got up on the roof. Knocked off all this snow in chunks. It was frozen. Three foot things of snow rattling off the roof <laughs> down below. So I got all the way up. We had a wood uh, wood stove pipe there with some struts to support it. You know, a big stainless steel pipe coming out of the roof. And I was, you know, I kind of worked. That was the only thing coming out of the roof. I'm like, all right, I could always, uh, that's my base. Sure enough, I get the last chunk, the front chunk. Now, remember, it's 37 degrees, 37, 38 degrees. It was start, it was melty. And I'm like, oh, this is great because it was sliding off the roof. Just, you know, when I once I broke it free, it's like an iceberg calving. It just, but the last chunk, I knocked that off. And sure enough, the chunk I'm on, the last chunk, starts sliding forward too. I'm like, oh, shit. So I grab onto the uh, pipe, which was there. I'm sliding off the roof, which is 16 feet. That's all I got. I grab one of the supports to the pipe. Now the pipe breaks and comes down on me and I just defend myself. And that actually stopped me. So now I'm at the, almost on the very edge of the roof. It's slippery. It's all melty. Everything's all, you know, it's a metal roof. All I have is these little screw heads 
So I pull back, I get the thing. I somehow I actually fixed the the pipe on my way up and kind of temporarily I had to come back and tape it. And then I took me 10 minutes to crawl with my gloves on the just to the hanging on to the little screw holes. Um you know, to get my way back. Anyway, that was my biggest adventure. But that was a, what Rob at Verge called a type one error. That's when when you design something at the last minute, you don't think about the forces. So, you know, you got to watch stuff like that when you're building a house yourself because there's no there's no regulations up here. So you can get yourself into trouble. Almost did. But honestly, the house has been up six years now and it's going through some storms. It's fine. That was some adventure. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, I'm not a good storyteller, but that's my best story. Uh, it was a good story. Uh, <laughs> right. So post PDC then, so you finished your PDC then, and what, what's next fees? These, uh, are you already thinking about how the, how the farm's going to make money or yeah, that's that coming into it? Yep. Oh yeah. Um, so now that we still house still has to get finished. We have a, a number of, a number of, schemes for making money um and that's basically going to be there's an air we're gonna plan on doing an airbnb because we have that beautiful view the house is really cool with the view we know how to put in some adirondack chairs and a fire pit so i think there's really good potential for that as a, as a stream of income um we're also going to build a farm stand down at the road um so we're up on a hill and a 400 foot driveway down to the road. We can see it from there. Um, so we can develop a business and start selling. I don't know that we're going to sell produce as much as we might sell plants, more of a nursery model, selling plants, selling exotic plants like sea berry, things that people don't know in this area because we're competing with farmers that that are like way more experienced and they have fat, hundreds of years of family experience farming. So we need to do something that's a niche product that's a little, you know, a little different in this area. So sea berries and has caps and you know that bringing in that permaculture knowledge that we have um plus you know and i learned i've always learned from spreadsheets um so something that's now since the pdc uh, you know i got a job working for a large permaculture you know company a design company learned a lot just by doing designs and studying other people's lands and going through it all but in the meantime i developed a, a database um for um all the plants uh the database that could do tricks on the spreadsheets i'm kind of an advanced user so you can actually do a whole design so i spent a lot of time building that database and, and programming it so that it would work it's a very custom permaculture kind of approach to things so i've been maintaining that and i still have probably 20 30 users on that now and um so that's that's informed a lot of my um knowledge that I have, because I'm not really a plant guy. I was a physics guy. And then in the last two, th two and a half years, I've become a plant guy as a, as a lot of the major construction on the house has, has come down. It's given me a little bit of time, but then I still did it my way, which is the spreadsheet way. So I realized like I had a lot of kind of like knowledge. I might know the scientific name and know some things about the plant, but I wouldn't even recognize it. I'd be like outside with a real plant person. They'd be like, oh, it's Asclepia syriaca. I'd be like, Oh, that's what it looks like. I mean, that's just milkweed. But there was other examples. I can't think of it. But I'm just like, oh, my God, I don't even know what it looks like. I, I have this like data and all this. So it's just this different approach. So now I'm becoming more of a plant guy. I'm more outside. My goal is to know everything out on my lawn, out in my woods. I want to be able to identify each plant locally. I've retreated to just if I could at least understand my land, 
you know, my own land, that would be that would be a great thing. All right, well, that's uh, that's just uh, the the database. Have you a name for it? Um, oh yeah, so call it Gilda, G U I L D A. Um, I was a big fan of Gilda Radner when I was a kid from Saturday Night Live. She lived near where we were in Pennsylvania. This is before she died, obviously. But um, so Gilda, I just thought of it naturally. And you think about a permanent, what's a guild? A guild is a collection of, of collection of entities that work together in a sort of a, a closed system. So we call in permaculture, we call the plants beneath the tree, the guild, um, the support plants of the tree. And they're a guild because they have many interactions between them. There's a, a network of, of functions and stuff. So it, it, it forms a nice, a nice guild. So thus Gilda. Um, so you said you need 30 users. So uh, for example, you, you've given me a copy today. How, how would I go about using that? Now is a is it for designers? It's uh, Can you yeah, explain just how it works. Yeah, this is this is just a tool for designers, for permaculture designers. Um, and it takes the approach of the food forest. And at first it looks at, you know, it, it, Gilda, you want to sort of start with the trees and work your way down to the guild and the understory. You can do other gardens too, a veggie garden, et cetera, uh, herb garden, et cetera. But permaculture, the food forest is really the big exciting thing. So it starts with you pick a tree for the zone. It, it, it has the zone, you know, uh, I'm zone four, you're zone eight, Cormac, you nine. nine, you're zone nine. Um, so it, it will, it'll let you to pick any plant, but it'll, it'll then give you a warning if you're using a plant that's out of zone for that property. So it's, it's aware of the zone. Um, so you basically would pick, pick a fruit tree that you would like, you know, an apple, yeah, a gala a apple or a Fuji. And then what it, Gilda will like take all the information and be like, oh, okay, well, here's ones that will also pollinate with that at the same time, if you want to pollinate. So you can pick out your pollinating groups and get your apple trees in then you do your plum trees apricots peaches etc jujubes based on where you're at banana trees if you're in the tropical area and then you can pick like nitrogen fixing shrubs that will feed nitrogen to each each tree gets a nitrogen fixing shrub if you want and then it'll go into the tree guild itself and then you can pick berry shrubs like some blueberries or blackberries i don't know how good an idea that is blueberries has caps something like that and then there's there's layers of guild functions you know you have your dynamic accumulators your insectary plants your ground cover your nitrogen fixers um you have uh aromatic plants that keep bugs away make it smell nice for humans um pollinators would bring in the pollinators if the plants are going to reproduce you're going to need bees and butterflies and birds and bees so um so it'll do all that and that has about 30 different functions that you could choose but you know in general i i think a, a basic guild is is are these six functions dynamic acute i call it dignap d-i-g-n-a-p dignap dynamic accumulator insectary plants which repel and attract um you know ground covers which keep the ground moist and just kind of keeps the weeds out at the at the base of the plant you're almost building a you're, you're really building a guild. You're building a guild. It's such a good name for it. Ground covers, and then you have your nitrogen fixers. With, you know, we have nitrogen fixing shrubs on the big level, but you could have nitrogen fixing plants in the uh, in the small uh, thing, and that's, this will leave nodules of nitrogen in the soil. And then you have your um, aromatic plants, 
Um, again, they repel not just bugs, but they can repel rabbits and repel deer. So you see you kind of a security system built into the guild to repel and attract, right? Anybody who knows Buddha, they'll recognize this, huh? Come here and stay at the same time. So that's the insectary plants. And then pollinators, of course, that makes it exciting. That's 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 what the plants want. They're moving their genetic material around that way. Right. So for me as a designer, it just it makes everything streamlined. I just go on Gilda and say, right, I want an apple tree. I'm going to build an apple tree guild. And it says, right, well, consider these things. And it's just a drop-down menu. I say, oh, there's a nitrogen fixture. I want that. And it it basically, there's it automatically feeds me a selection of plants for my zone and yeah. based on function. Right, that's based, really good. Based on previous choices too. It's looking at now remember it's it's a spreadsheet and we live in the time of a million apps that are probably a lot more sophisticated. I don't use cell phones, so I'm I'm like a PC guy. So I I design that way. Um but yeah, I mean basically it's a little rough. It's not click here and your guild's done. Although I, I did a version of that that was fully automatic that that could literally just put in like what it thinks of the perfect guild but nobody would use it because it it it's taking all your design powers away and we live in that ai time that's going to happen let's just delay it as long as we can so i made gilda actually pulled gilda back to give humans a lot more functions so all she does you 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 make the decisions and then she she makes suggestions and then you can decide from there um and then when you're done it the plant list is fully formatted and ready to go. You don't have to do a plant list. That's one of the nice things about it. It's instantly done. Um, but yeah, there's enough information and research in it, in her limited 3,000 plants that she has. So I'm always adding new plants to the database uh, based on you know these 30 users uh, having different designs and ideas they come. Gilda, when I don't have the time I did have before with Gilda, but when I was you know kind of developing it full time, I would be constantly adding these plants and constantly updating and everything. And I've sort of settled on a version that's a nice compromise between automatic functions that you would hope for a computer and you being in charge of the design, the designer's creativity, the designers had talked, Gilda hadn't talked to the client, the designer did. So, you know, um, so that's what, that's what Gilda will basically allow you to do. You can complete design in it. Um, You can do a veggie garden sheet. So it also has she has some lists as well, like a a, a, a let's say a, a smoothie garden. So for one design, I had researched like 70, 80 plants that all could go into smoothies and I labeled them all. And so then you can just pick up a smoothie garden for your zone. So it's going to eliminate plants that won't go in your zone and do that research and then just plunk it down. I could literally do if I knew what I was doing, do a design in a few hours with Gilda, not the actual physical design, but the plant list and and the intellect and the, you know, the, the intelligent part of the design behind it. We'll have to get you uh, to do a, a quick video explanation on that. And then we can share that with everybody. And uh, sure. if you like, and then if, if anybody wants to have access to that, just give Mike, Mike a shout. <laughs> Is that all right, Mike? <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Uh, maybe um, for a small fee. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will say we're trying to work that out. I'm trying to figure out how that, I think it's, I'm probably, I don't know now, but probably like a per design, I'll take some percentage. That's probably the most fair model. So if it's getting used, I get paid. If it's not getting used, you don't like it, I don't get paid. So I think that's, that's probably the fairest way. That's right. So 
this this is born out. We sort of let's go back a step. So Guild is basically born out of your design experience. Do you want to take us back to the start of so you got your PDC, you're doing stuff in your own place, and now you're thinking, right, and and you get your first design job. Do you want to tell us about your sort of development as a designer? And have you any thoughts on being a designer? Uh, yeah, I, I would not do the way I did it. Um, the first I, I focused a lot on uh, I like the perfect guild. And like I was so afraid of putting a plan in that wasn't just right. And so I spent a lot of time in the beginning taking way too long to do designs because I was also developing Gilda as I did that. But and it was nice in one way, but at the same time, I had to develop and program Gilda. So it wasn't just a design, which is complicated enough. It takes a long time without Gilda to do a permaculture design. Um, so, yeah, in the beginning, um, I was also learning. You know, I, I got um, I got a huge client. My second client, my first client was a quarter acre up in uh, Toronto, Canada. It's nice, a really nice guy. We worked it out. I look at the design today. I'm like, I wouldn't do everything on it, but it wasn't that bad. But it took me... You know, I actually did that in three weeks because it was small and that's all I was doing. Like I, I could just focus on on that. So, um, you know, I learned a lot doing that. And then my next design was 10 acres. I'm sorry, five acres, five acres. And um, that kind of blew my mind because it's like 20 times bigger. So, yeah, again, a very nice client down in Texas and she had a daughter. So I, I designed the, a park for her and, you know, kid centered things and she had this sort of sprawling land so i did this whole food forest and i really did a lot she got a lot of value out. she didn't she's done a lot of design but she didn't plan everything i put down in the design um so i spent a lot of time on that um and then as i've gone i've, I've kind of like you know i've learned a lot of things i love going into a fresh design you know and looking at someone's land and seeing the possibilities and it's always new you know in the beginning um and now i've kind of learned how to spend less time thinking about that and deciding on what tools do I use? What tools do I now trust? Do I trust myself? Do I trust the plants, the numbers on the plants? Much more now. So from now it, it goes faster. I'm still not the fastest designer in, in the West. Definitely not. But um, but that's part of it because of the economic element. So I think I invested a lot of time in permaculture in the beginning, sort of donating it to, because my wife and I are here, we're on our land, you know, I mean, but she's working. But, you know, in general, like we're, there's no emergency. So I paid it forward a lot. And then at some point I had to, I've been like kind of pulling back um, just the time, mainly because I spent a year and a half doing designs for other people, which was great. Um, but then I just stopped working on our farm pretty much. So now I'm back to like working on the farm and trying to balance it out with designs, but I'm not, I'm not a full-time designer right now. I am a full-time homesteader though. So it's kind of where I'm at now. Right. So I think it's, I, uh, uh, so it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a, a learning experience as you, as you get better, uh, faster on a balancing act. I found that same problem where that year I was designing a lot, my own garden, went and then it's like oh why did I let that happen but at the time you're trying to get other people sorted and you want you're meeting deadlines and talking yeah. to people uh would you give anybody advice who wanted to be a designer after the PD they did the PDC there's a number of good places out there including Vine actually Vine's the best I think um but <laughs> you 
Um, you can take that one approach. I mean, there's no big permaculture places that, you know, you can go, there's a few, um, but a lot of, a lot of permaculture. I know one of my clients that I had with another company, she's now developing her own permaculture, um, business small. It starts out small. Um, so you could do that. You could look for a company that's already sort of established, um, it's it's according to where you're at. If if you don't have to make money right away with it, then you can kind of build build something up and sort of put value out there and get yourself a little known to get more more jobs. Um, or if you're the type who's super social, who can and you live in a social kind of a, uh, an area where you know community where you can um, you know talk to a lot of people or put out flyers. Um, if you're really good online and like trying to, you know, get people online to do something, there's another approach, but there's no, you know, there's no, you have to build the business organically, just like a plant has to grow. Um, so it's based on what you want to do. If you, it's permaculture design because it's kind of a new thing. There's no real way that you can just jump in. I don't think, and, and just make a full-time living. It's not like, you can just go and, and get a job. You have to sort of develop it, which you do anyway, because it, organically you need to learn. You know, it's so complicated what you're doing if you want to be a permaculture de designer. It's also so rewarding, um, but it, it just takes time organically. There's no quick solution. So and there's probably no one solution for for every person. So it's kind of like, what is your desire? What is your purpose? Why do you why do you want to be a permaculture designer? Um, it's not to get rich. <laughs> um, not that you, not, not that you couldn't, you could build something like in that direction, but again, most permaculture designers probably just want to maintain and like live a, a happy, you know, life. So, yeah, you're for, gonna figure out a lot of that yourself. Is you know, but here's the thing: if you have purpose, and if there's on your flagpole above you, if that if that flag is flying in the direction of of resilience, and you know, you want to. You want to you want to make money by doing design and, and bringing trees to the world and beauty to the world, then you you will figure out how to do it because you you'll always be driven by that wind that that flag flying in that direction of your purpose. So, no quick advice, but just um, stick to it and don't don't take on too much to start with. We did a little bit of that, maybe a, a lot of that. I don't know. But uh, I mean, uh, design wise or, or on the, on your farm wise? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, on, on your farm, but even design wise, like a mistake that I made in the beginning was I, you know, I was working for a company that was feeding me design. So this is the model that I was in. But yeah, I was excited and, you know, I can do it. And I took on too many designs at first and then got overwhelmed and realized, oh, my God, I'm faking it until I make it and I'm not yet making it. So it was. I think it, I think at one stage I ate on the go. At various eight at various oh. stages, and uh, what I would warn is it it was basically for me anyway. I've realised that I uh, doing it full time, like forty hours a week. It's probably not too sensible because there was about a bit of, uh, I think we call it design fatigue. That's fatigue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Design fatigue was eight, and then it just became a it became too much of a job. Then it was like right a production line. Uh, the 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 clients still got. No, the one day one with you, but when it's like in between the client stuff, the design and stuff, the practical side of it, and then the rendering, it just got a bit too much. So that's what I would warn against. But 
my advice to people, take the PDCD professional, learn digital design, and try, to me, it would be try and find a peer group of support of different designers, whether that be yeah. uh, people that graduate. I know from graduating from uh, Jeff Lawton's online PDC, there's a Facebook group there. I think Verge have their own Facebook groups to the Telegram groups. Wherever you get your PDC from, try and socialize them. And that'll stand you in good stead once you graduate because you'll be able to throw designs, uh, throw ideas around. And say something as simple as handing something to someone, say, go and have a look at that. They see if I've done anything crazy. That yeah. peer support to me was very good. Uh, I was lucky to fall in with Crystal when I started at our place. And uh, it, that was invaluable, just having that person to bounce off ideas and just say, is this, how is this? Yeah, I mean, that, well, that I had similar experience. Like my wife and I, Jen and I, we've had each other's to, to bounce off, but it's only two of us. Once we got into the PDC, started meeting just groups of people and, and like you're, it's your permaculture tribe people, right? It's like they're all talking permaculture. We learned so much faster. Like, you know, we did a lot of learning ourselves, but we learned so much faster once we plugged into those communities that, you know, the Telegram channel and just like, you know, as much as we could talk, not just the PDC itself and the instructional material, but just meeting people that know more than you is, is the best thing in the world, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah, take it, you kind of, kind of have to ramp it up and you do, you do need to tell, you need, need to do a lot on your own. And you also need to talk to other people at the same time. And if you find that balance between all those things, you'll have a nice workflow and you won't get too stressed and you'll start making money and, you know, doing your own design, your own farm or your own land or your own, whatever you have going on as well. Um, so what's the plans in the future, Mike, for Pensioner Pond? Um, so yeah, we're going to do the uh, Airbnb. I got to finish the house first. We just got a, uh, a riding lawnmower that can pull a, and we got a trailer too. Cause we've been just doing it by hand on a hill, like, no tractor, no ATV, nothing like that. The two of us, and it's kept us skinny and it's kept us somewhat fit, but um, we just can't, can't do it anymore. I mean, we, so we've, we're sort of, we're, you know, we're, we're at an age here. We're a little bit old. We're on the older on the, on the permaculture scale. Um, so, you know, we, now we have this, this, um, this mower so we can actually mow the grass, which we just did for the first time this year. And that's, july grass at this point so it was pretty rough spent the whole day yesterday and just got half of it done um but now we can pull around the tractor um you know we have a 17 cubic foot little tractor that will go behind the thing and it'll go up our hill and do all the things so we could bring mulch down to the food forest finally and start working on their guilds we've we got a, a chipper but it broke and so I, so I have to fix it but i got the parts finally so i can fix it then, then we'll have our whole system where we plugged in. So having that power now, and this might seem like a long version, but that's okay. Now that we actually have that power, which it has to replace our bodies, which can't just, we we had some harrowing stories from the beginning. We just couldn't believe like, why were we doing this? Because we were against gas, basically. Now we're not against gas. So we were going to get electric everything in the beginning. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't even invented back then now you can buy it for a million dollars and just not as powerful as it could be some things are good to be electric 
honestly though if you're if you're going to be moving material around and doing a farm it's okay to use gas a little and for a little bit so we've got a so now we have some gas on the farm which was not allowed for like five years big change uh we aged out of the other stuff so uh our plans going future is is to control the mulch and our ability to mulch things because honestly um that's a big part of permaculture is is having mulch we're trying to figure out ways of not having mulch or not needing it uh we're land racing we're, we're letting our guilds not be so planned and just kind of be like all right what, what natives are already there what could it use oh it could use a, a pollinator or it could use a, maybe a, a dynamic accumulator like comfrey chop and drop um so we're kind of like we already kind of have the farm and we kind of have the basic elements in place and now we're sort of like we got overwhelmed and got overgrown but now we're fighting back so we're kind of like coming back and kind of like finally finishing the you know these these guilds um but we have to make money my wife's been at it for over a decade you know sitting at a desk and it's allowed us to do a lot of the stuff, but now as things are tapering off and things are getting done and we're not making any new plans except for to maintain what we already have and then monetize it, um, that's where we're at. So, yeah, that's it. Like, you know, YouTube channel also. I have a YouTube channel, which I've neglected once I started doing permaculture design. I couldn't do any more. Video. I had no more time to do videos. But... You know, I've learned a lot at Vine um, structurally and how to make a, a proper video. Um, and I have a sort of a, I hate to say a formula, but kind of a, a structure, a structure for the videos. I think I can, one, I can go back to YouTube. I'm going to um, make more organized and consistent videos versus just, oh, I'm in the mood to make a video. Here's the phone. Here I am. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, so kind of structuring YouTube videos, I think I could uh, get that monetized on that. Just need 300 more subscribers and uh, other things. And I also need to make videos so that you know what the hell I'm talking about. I'll get there. Um, and also doing design. That's another thing to, mod you know, I think it's not, you know, there's an expression, don't put all your eggs in one basket. So, you know, we're, we're building multiple income streams, nursery, you know, based on what we've all effort we've already put in, start making money, yeah, have the farm start paying us. Um, but we put a lot of effort, time and money into the farm at this point. And uh, so it's kind of a switch in mentality. I think we were more idealistic in the beginning, a little more hippy dippy. And now, eh, not so much. So, yeah, so now it's more practical. At least you have the humility to admit that and uh, share that with us. So I think that's a very important lesson to, get, uh, to share with everybody and Thanks for sharing it. Um, yeah, because I think if you don't, if you if you're not realistic about it, you know, um, it, you can get discouraged really quickly if you don't have it in your mind that oh, I've got to do this measure. I can't just be oh, I learned all this stuff. Let's do this. I would love to have cows and you know a greenhouse and you know. I mean, it's also money. It's also you know. I mean, if you have a lot of money, then you could probably do a lot of this stuff. But you can never learn it that fast you can't pay for knowledge so you still have to be engaged with it you know so money's not it's one element of it for sure but it's definitely not everything it's your effort your time how much time do you spend in the garden observing interacting you know um plus what what is your purpose is there a perfect permaculture farm a perfect no i mean there just isn't even for a two million dollars there's still you know there's still all these things that you know so I would say 
aim high, but not too high, where you get overwhelmed and you don't do anything. Try to aim in, in a direction of what you think you can actually achieve and do those things. That's way better than not doing any of it. And then maybe from that level in the future, you could then do the, do some more things from there. So I, I would give the advice to aim high and do them one at a time, but I, I don't follow that. So. <laughs> right. Neither did I. This, this is with hindsight. Uh, uh, Mike, thanks very much. So everybody, you can find Mike's YouTube channel at Pension Pond Permaculture on YouTube. I, I, I really enjoy his videos. Uh, uh, they're very entertaining, and uh, I, I think I've watched most of them now. Um, and you can also find him at the Vine Permaculture uh, YouTube as well. Uh, Mike, is there anything you, you want to share before you wrap up here? Um, there will be more videos coming pretty soon. I'm working on that. Um, I think in general, like permaculture, you, people who get into permaculture, I mean, it's various people. It's various people, but in general, I think we all share a certain desire to, to control our lives, to have power over our food, probably, uh, maybe even our privacy, maybe even, you know, um, our energy, solar panels and wind and being frugal and, you know, having water up on the hill or whatever it is, a lot of different forms. So um, I don't know. I, I just think we, we live in a kind of a crazy time, a crazy world. A lot of people don't like to think about it, but it's the reality of things. So it's kind of good to be flexible um, on your feet and but also realize you're if you're 20, don't listen to me because it doesn't matter. You can do anything. You got your whole life ahead of you. But if you're over 20, including 21, I would say think of things in terms of your sphere of influence. There's a lot of distractions out there in the world with the cell phones and the TVs and everything. But you know, like what can you actually control and how much time is there in each day and what are your goals? So that, that kind of thinking has made me think, all right, well, I can't waste energy here. I, I, there's nothing I can do about that. So, you know, don't do that. What can I do? I, I can plant plants. I can learn about plants. I can learn about energy. I can, you know, do, be, do these other things. So just again, <laughs> aim high, but not to try try to hit that target um, and, and think, and it's going to be different for every single one of you. Um, but I bet you, you know what that would look like. Um, just do it in a way that you can actually achieve it. Like Cormac said, one step at a time would probably be the best approach. That's how I approach a staircase. <laughs> I'm not like, oh, I'm going to go up here and then down to this step and then up here. And just one at a time. So I'll conclude with that. That's a very good place to uh, conclude, Mike. Thank you very much uh, for joining us today. Um, guys, that's been Mike Jones, and this has been the Permaculture Vine podcast. Uh, our PDC to professional will be out very soon. I keep saying that, but it's coming. We're nearly finished it. Uh, basically, it's going to teach you how to uh, do digital design, so it's like a post PDC. And yeah, if you really think you've got value out of that, please give us a, a, a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel for more guests that we've come on over the following weeks. Again, thanks very much, Mike, and thanks everybody else for listening. See you next week. Thank you. Cheers.